0: Greetings, all, and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Today, we're joined by documentary filmmaker Marissa Arroy, whose current production, The Philippine American War, is the third film in what you could call her trilogy of Filipino American historical documentaries. Her previous films explore Filipino American communities in California. And the largely unsung contributions of Filipino American farm workers to the United Farm Workers labor movement. That film is called the Delano Manong's Forgotten Heroes of the United Farm Workers. It was shown on independent lens this year. I'm very pleased to welcome Marissa to the show. And I'll start by asking you about what I've called a trilogy that word doesn't appear in any of your literature officially, but, you know, anytime three movies have a similar theme, someone's going to use the word trilogy. Am I totally off-base to you? Is that just like a, a complete mischaracterization, Marissa, the word trilogy?
1: No. In fact, I think it was our uh, our our friend Shirley who had talked about that, uh, talked about the, the work that I've been doing in documentary film as like, this is going to be your trilogy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, which makes it sound very fancy. Uh, I
0: say lean into it. If you're not totally turned yeah. off by it, then lean in because no, this could be no. this could be like <laughs> the Filipino Star Wars, you know?
1: Wow, exactly right. Order the Return of the Jedi right now. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. <laughs> and there are, you know, there there are certainly narrative threads, right? There are thematic threads, although. I guess it's a little bit, this most recent film about the Filipino-American War is a little bit of a departure. And maybe I'm wrong because the other films are about Filipino-Americans. And this is more about an international conflict mostly set in the Philippines. Is that right? That it's a little bit of a departure?
1: Correct. Except you could still say it's a Filipino-American issue because... We're here in, I mean, Filipinos are the largest Asian American group in California, the second largest in the United States. And, and that's all because of the Philippine American War. And even though that was like, a, you know, the turn of the last century, 1899, 1902, people think of that as like so far away, like, how does that affect us? But it's, it's why I'm here. It's why Emmy's here. Emmy That's nice.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, I, can you share a little bit of that history for us? I mean, I grew up in San Francisco, obviously, so half of my friends were Filipino, right? I never yeah. thought about why they were there. You know, my mom is from Mexico. I never thought about why she was here. Sometimes we don't always approach things with a big historical context like that. Um, but what, what is the, the relationship between the Philippine american War and large numbers of Filipinos coming to the United States?
1: The Philippine-American War was this uh, first colonial experiment by the United States um, at a time when they had been done with colonization by the British and were free of that and thought of themselves as, as this democratic, republic, egalitarian, um, equal rights for all men. They were actually... Also looking at how are they going to gain power in this world that was full of colonial powers, like the British, like uh, the Spanish, uh, Germans, and the French. And and that was because there was so much financial power that was starting to burgeon up all all this technological advances that were happening. And so it was fairly natural for them to look outside of the United States and see where are we going to expand? Where are, going, where are we going to become the next, how are we going to become the next superpower? And so they were looking at China as, uh, as the next place to import their goods and have a lot of um, influence or at least bring this financial relationship together and bridge it. And they saw the Philippines as this potential place to start that. It would be the gateway to Asia a place for them to um, at least have a have a hold, a foothold in, in those markets. So really, what they saw was that the that the Spanish colonial powers were uh, waning, and they could take all uh, five for one, five five countries in one shot. That was the Spanish American War, which lasted four months at the at the longest, and that's that was. Cuba giving them independence, Puerto Rico, Marianas Islands, Guam, and the Philippines. And um, at the same time, the Filipinos were fighting for their independence from Spain. And so uh, <laughs> then you've got this like immediate conflict. Like, wait a second, you you you're not taking over our country. We just got rid of the Spanish, and um, and that's where you begin. So you know the short. The short answer is they took over the Philippines uh, after a three-year three war and was they were a colony of the Philippines until 1946, until World War II. And no one's taught this history. Uh, the American teachers that went to the Philippines never taught this history to Filipinos. And, you, and we're not taught that history in the United States. And so it's really just like this amnesia. And it's not even called the Philippine-American War for many, many decades. It's only recently that people refer to it as the Philippine-American War. Or originally, it was called the insurrection. Like, ah, you know, a couple people were like, you know, upset about this. But it's just like a little thing. Um, so, yeah, it's just um, it's my way of trying to claim back this history.
0: Right. So was it ever addressed? Do you remember being, uh, did you go to schools in the Bay area and remember wondering like, what does this mean? What is the Spanish American word? Like what, when were you first getting hints about this history as a young person?
1: Yeah. It wasn't until like way after undergrad, way after graduate school, there was a, there was a writer. Um, actually there was like a group of editors they made this book called The Forbidden Book. All of the cartoons from the United States that were done during that time period, 1899 to 1902.
0: Do you mean like uh, political
1: cartoons? Political cartoons. Okay. They're political cartoons that were that were published in newspaper, American newspapers and American uh, magazines like Judge and Puck. And they show all of these racialized caricatures of Filipinos and how important it was for americans to go in there and tame and educate these savages and that reading that book was my first time learning about the philippine american war and understanding it understanding what had happened
0: what were the political justifications at the time right like a The United States has like a history up until that point of kind of anti-interventionist and anti-imperialist. And there's there was no there's nothing there was nothing in our mythology at that time that would justify uh, a colonial effort or engaging in a conflict overseas. What how did politicians frame it? What were they how did they try to frame this conversation?
1: There were these anti-imperialists. There were some famous anti-imperialists such as Mark Twain, for instance, who actually wrote an essay and published an essay about the hypocrisy of Americans becoming imperialists. So there was a really strong anti-imperialist league against it. But you also had the people, McKinley for being one, President McKinley, who justified it by saying that this is our manifest destiny, by, by listening to, to uh, people like Rudyard Kipling, who wrote this uh, this poem white man's burden americans in the philippines about how it was up to americans white americans um, to take up the mantle of colonization to tame these savage half half devil half child people and make them into our image
0: was it a political issue at the time? I mean, were yeah, there people huge, who oh, were to, like, why are we using American tax dollars for this intervention that doesn't have absolutely. anything to do with us?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of this, of this, like, uh, pro-military approach uh, f- fever that was going on because of the triumph of the Spanish-American War. So it just, it, it was like this, well, hey, we kicked their asses. Let's go see what we can do over there. Yeah. And then taking some of the lessons that they learned from um, the Indian wars and kicking their asses. And like, <laughs> let's bring them. Let's bring them over there. Let's like refine that water torture and refine sure. concentration camps and like bringing people to um, uh, you know, like, like burning down villages and making people go into these concentration camps where, you know, it's pestilence and disease that kill them. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I'm yeah. ranting.
0: No, not at all. This <laughs> is, this is really, there's a lot of background and there's a lot of history to fill in. Like you said, most people are not familiar with this background. Mm. You know, at, at the very least, we might have an understanding of what we think the Spanish-American War is, um, but not how that fits into the history or at least how the Philippines fits into the history. It's yeah. an important point you make about the transition from war to war, Um, I'm actually uh, reading The Dying Grass right now, which is a fictionalized account uh, by William Volman about the Nez Perce Wars, which were the Indian wars that were in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, And he draws a very clear line. All the soldiers who were involved in that obviously are civil war soldiers. Right. And it was essentially the moment that the civil war was over. They took all the manpower that they had mobilized and the weapons that they had developed uh, and the, the army that they had built and turned it west and used exactly the same tactics. Uh, and it's, it's pretty heartbreaking to think about that through line from the Civil War out west to the indigenous people of the American West, and then, you know, out into the into the Pacific. Uh, you mentioned earlier that there, the reason that there are so many Filipinos in the United States, and that was a direct consequence of this conflict of the Philippine American war. Can you talk a little bit about that connection and, and how Filipinos started coming to the United States?
1: Yeah. So what you have after the 1902, um, the end of the Philippine American war is you have these, uh, American teachers called Thomasites and, um, They're called Thomasites because they came on the USS Thomas ship. And they come in, they teach all this American curriculum, they teach uh, all the Filipinos how to say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, to the American flag. And then they also bring the mythology of like you can do anything you want in the, in the United States, right? You can be whatever you want. The, the, the roads are paved with gold. Like just, you know, you just have to be able to come over to the United States. And so that's really what brings immigration. The first wave of the Filipinos who came over were, um, were the elite. They were called the pensionados because they were able to go to university of Columbia and Harvard. And they were really the class that was going to go back and bring American education and start to shape the government and businesses in a way that was more American. And this is
0: during, this is what, in in still the early 1900s?
1: Still the early 1900s. But the big, big wave um, that came after that was what I call the monong generation. And monong is a a term, it's like a nickname for kind of brother, um, Mm -hmm. brother, uncle. And uh, it actually comes from the Spanish term, hermano. And then it's the Filipino way of adding an NG at the end um, (laughs) to a lot of words. So it's Uh, Manong. And uh, the Manong generation, they were the Alaskeros who were working in Alaska canneries. um, And um, yeah, and also the Cicadas. So the uh, sugarcane workers in Hawaii. That was like the the first really big wave of Filipinos who came in. And,
0: and that then, was after Alaskan and Hawaiian statehood, so they were in yeah, the United States. Okay. They were in the United so States. So we're now we're in the like 50s by now, right? Okay. You were in the
1: 50s. Yeah. Uh and then uh uh after independence uh after Philippine independence, the only Filipinos who could come in were the in, in the 1960s, when sort of like the the wave of Asians could come in if they were educated and were p- professionals. And so that's the way that my father and mother came in as as nurses.
0: Mm-hmm. So this in terms of timeline, uh, you've really kind of saved, you know, the, the Filipino American War, which is the third installment of this trilogy is kind of a prequel. Right. Because your first two films are talking about migrant workers <laughs> in California and the communities of, of immigrants who, who You're really ended up, up in on this Cal- trilogy
1: concept, aren't you? I, it's, I it's a framing principle. Like, it's like, I'm, a framing trying, device. I'm trying yeah. to get there. I'm trying to get there so
0: hard.
1: I love it, actually. <laughs> it's hilarious to think of it as a prequel. But yes, it is. Like uh, and it's funny because I don't think I I don't think I thought I would be a historical Documentary filmmaker.
0: Um, they're no, not what them. were you? What were you thinking?
1: I, you know, I I like uh, current present day life. I like social issues that are happening now. And I mean, we uh, I've worked on documentaries that are like just about present day. What's happening with people? Uh, people have um, like uh, like Sikhs in America, for instance. That's all about what's happening in the Sikh community now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, yeah, i worked on like what's what's happening with malaria in Tanzania. What are how are how are they fighting malaria? So, um, what,
0: so what made you focus on this specifically then?
1: Well, the first documentary I ever got to do about Filipino Americans was called Little Manila: Filipinos in California's Heartland, and that was this uh, public television station in K- uh, named KVIE in Sacramento, and they along with CAM, Center for Asian American Media, who's based in San Francisco, they were looking for a producer to do something about um, the Filipino farm workers, that modern generation, but how they specialized in asparagus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, were, they were like the asparagus cutters of California. And and of course, like that. I was so excited to do it. I I never saw myself as uh, doing a historical documentary, but like I dived in I was so excited to look through the archival materials that people gave. People were giving me archival materials, nice. um, and there was just a lot of support in the Filipino community to to get this story done. and And people were so excited to that, like somebody was interested in their stories. You know, like they were just farm workers. Um, there was nothing like necessarily romantic about it to most people, but to our community, it means a lot because you just don't see us. Um, talked about at all i think part of this problem with the Philippine american war uh, and i'll just make this point is that we've got like the assimilation is huge for filipinos like we've prided ourselves in just being hidden and like and and just being as whitewashed as we can uh and like even i internalize that and don't think about it Uh, I internalize it with like how I speak Um, and my parents have internalized it with like how white can I be like are they going to they're going to buy me papaya soap which is supposed to bleach your brown skin Um, shit like that. And so I think just these these generations now are like trying to reclaim their history.
0: Yeah, Well, in that sense, I was going to say earlier, even if you didn't, you know, start off as a filmmaker intending to do these, you know, historical films, there's a real it's a real blind spot in terms of like these these stories have not been told. Uh, And you're kind of like filling in a very necessary gap. And I want to say, you know, if you hadn't kind of taken the initiative to tell these stories, who knows who would have? We might have been waiting a lot longer to learn more um, about these you know, significant contributions to history. And what was very surprising to me, as uh, a Mexican American was to learn, you know, we all we get very excited about the United Farm Workers is a big deal. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a real like, badge of yeah. honor, especially in California. Um, and mm-hmm. Cesar Chavez is such an important figure uh, in our cultural history. So I was, you know, partly scandalized, but ultimately pleased (laughs) to learn about this secret history and then find even among brown people, there's like some brown people that are getting a little more credit for stuff than other (laughs) brown people.
1: Was that what was that scandalizing to you, that part? That It's
0: not scandalizing, but it is, you know, you, you dig into any history, of course, and you learn that there are hidden histories behind it. You know, not scandalizing by any means, but, you know, it is a real point of pride when we talk about Mexican history and the, the contributions to the political movements in this country, and especially being a Mexican-American in California like that movement was highly symbolic. My mom used to work in the migrant health system, providing health care to migrant workers, you know, so it's like, it's a part of my mythology, right? And then I was like, Oh, wow, there's another part of this story that hasn't been told uh, about these major contributions from people who are not Mexican people, in fact, who were Filipino. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? How did you learn about these group of people? And, and what actually were their their contributions in the movement?
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Bakersfield, California, which is 30 minutes away from Delano, which is the heart of the UFW strikes, and the it was the center for the UFW for for years. And um, I didn't I didn't know anything about this history. I, I remember listening to on the news, and Cesar Chavez would be on, on a fast, um, and I knew that my my grand my grandma and grandpa lived in Delano. So they're part of that community of, of families that like grew up, like made their businesses, made did their work in the fields and stayed there. And I still didn't know my own family's um, involvement with the UFW at all. Uh and it's it's just it just wasn't talked about by Filipinos uh in that same way. I mean, what I really uh, hope is happening now for Filipinos is they take pride in having been a part of this huge labor movement. Um, somehow the, those contributions had died. I found out when it was actually a new American uh, media article that was done by Alex falbros and Daniel Gonzalez uh, called uh, The Forgotten Heroes of the United Farm Workers. And when I read that, I was given that by somebody, I read that and after doing Little Manila, which is about the same generation of farm workers of those monos, and finding a little bit more about Larry Itlion, uh, I started to, to do some research about him. And I found these amazing, like one thing about the farm worker movement in California is there's some amazing photography that was done during those strikes. And there was this really great photograph. that was taken by George Bayless of Larry at Leong. And it's what we have for our um for our poster. It's Larry at Leong, the Filipino leader of the United Farm Workers, with a cigar, and he's like at a at a at the car door, and he's got this buzz cut, and he just looks like such a badass. And I I fell in love with him because of that that photo i don't think you see these photos of filipino men who look masculine and strong and 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 are leaders and so he was really like the first thing that i started to to research and want to get to know and find out more archival footage of and and stuff so um yeah finding out his story how he was like second in command of the united farm workers was a big deal for me and uh you know i started doing this this research because for myself just because i needed to educate myself because i wanted to feel like oh oh, oh, what we do as filipino filipinos in the united states is important because honestly like i i never felt that way before and and it, it took actually working with another filmmaker a japanese american filmmaker um and he had made a ton of documentaries about the Japanese-American experience. And he's like, what are you, you going to do about Filipino-Americans? Uh, and I was like, oh, there's nothing to tell. We don't have any history here. Wow. This is after graduate school in journalism, people.
0: <laughs> yeah. This
1: is how I felt. Like it's deep. Yeah. yeah. This dismissal of what Filipino-Americans are. Yeah. Well, I was
0: just thinking, you know, uh, George Lucas, it wasn't enough to make three Star Wars movies. So you have to start thinking about what your other (laughs) trilogies are going to be. But this is now, you know, Filipino contributions. uh, This is now more than ever a global story, right? Isn't Filipino labor just everywhere, especially in the Middle East? This is just I've only learned this over the past few years. But like the number one export from the Philippines is laborers, mostly women. Yep. mostly who go, women yeah who go to yeah. work in other countries and you know yep. send money back to support their families yep. have you yep. looked into any of those uh kind of global stories have you thought about um telling some of those yeah
1: yeah telling those stories are, are, are really they're, they're really important we and i and i feel like there are people who are starting to tell those stories ramona diaz is another filipino american documentary filmmaker she's done a couple of stories uh, about that experience but the diaspora is is incredible like uh, and you could say that like this all stems from the filipino american war and the way that the government was managed and we're at this point now where poverty is so bad this is uh, like even though they are educated people they have to leave and become nannies and maids,
0: domestic yes, workers, that's all possibly, around the world. Yes,
1: on the only option, that it nurses. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so I, ha- I-, I had a, um, an aunt in Singapore who was working as a maid. Um, before that, she was in Hong Kong. Um, I had a cousin who was in Hong Kong for a while, and she couldn't stand the abuse from her, her boss. Um I have a younger cousin right now who's working at a hotel kitchen in dubai and and this is pretty regular like having having all these uh
0: yeah that's just your family right like those are just, just people my who family. are to you. I can only yeah. imagine how many stories are out there, yeah, you might have the most extensive diaspora in the world right now, you know I if think, you you start I putting pinpoints on the map and you look at <laughs> the, the people truly,
1: yeah. I think we're the Filipinos are like the highest users of Facebook because of this diaspora. I believe that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. My right. Mom so, yeah. all so In
0: order for family members to stay in touch where you yeah, have absolutely. like one cousin in Hong Kong and then your aunt is in Dubai and then whatever, yeah. like grandma is still in the Philippines. Like how else is everybody supposed to stay in touch? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> right? Exactly. But we haven't even mentioned the, the men do leave as well and they're, they make up a good portion of the, mer- uh, the Marines out. I mean, I don't mean like military Marines. I mean, like the Marine shipmen
0: oh, okay.
1: uh, on those big cargo ships. Um, yeah, they're out there. And those guys, man, they're, they're out there like for four months at a time. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's another job that takes you away from home for a long, long time.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have a cousin who, uh, older cousin, he'd been on the ship for years nine months on three months off that three months he could go to the philippines and be home with his his wife and three daughters and finally when he retires what happens his wife has breast cancer and passes away like that's
0: yeah
1: you know that's one story of the millions
0: yeah like that wow uh, I am curious about there, there's so much more to explore, obviously, and I have so many more ideas for you for future movies. So just come back to me <laughs> if you ever need me to pitch ideas for your next trilogies. All
1: right. All right. Um,
0: but this, you know, this it's fascinating history. There's stories that have never been told. So I'm particularly intrigued. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about the business of documentary filmmaking and distribution. Uh, You mentioned that, uh, you know, one of these productions was initially for a local television station. Have you been able to find your audience? How are you reaching viewers? Is this something that, you know, because these are Filipino-themed films, are you, you know, going straight into the Filipino community? Are you looking for for viewers beyond that? How are you finding your audience?
1: I mean, I think it, it, it... Initially, with Little Manila, it was about trying to find a, a wider audience because um, it was the public television station in, uh, in Sacramento that wanted a wide audience. They wanted everyone's eyes to be open to this is one story of the Filipino American Filipino American experience. But when we made Delena Monom's, that that was that was really an independent documentary uh, we got on to pbs on public television uh, we were we were given support by um an, a number of entities that helped us with it but it was really based on this idea that like i i just wanted to tell this story now like i i i was i was starting to feel that it's an important story to tell to talk about uh, Larry at leong to like to give these names of Philip Veracruz, Pete Velasco, Andy Imutan out there. Uh, because I saw how for, for Mexicans, Mexican-Americans and Mexicans, this, this, the, the name of Cesar Chavez was so potent. It meant so much. Uh, it brought a lot of pride to the community. And I wanted to see that happen for, for Larry at Leon. Um, and, in, and now I, Feel like even with the Philippine American War, I um, I obviously have to worry about an American audience and, and, and trying to get an American audience to watch it, especially if I'm trying to get it on public television. But the but the community I'm really after is the three to four million Filipino Americans here, um, and the Filipinos elsewhere as well, um, because. If I can reach them, then I think there's a significant change that happens with our identity. And, and I've seen like a little bit of that evidence in watching people screen Delano Manos and how, how it it moves you simply just to see a Filipino face on the screen. And yeah, so, so that's my yeah. my target.
0: Yeah. Well, with that in mind, uh, before we wrap up, where can people see your films? Are you streaming? Can you, can you have a paper download? Uh, I, I want to make sure this is, again, important history and wonderful stories that you're telling. I, I want to let our listeners know how they can see some of your work.
1: Well, uh, you can watch Little Manila, the first the first trilogy, uh, on YouTube for free. So you could just um, go on YouTube and search Little Manila, Filipinos in California, in California's heartland. Um, Delano Monoms, you can watch on Vimeo. So if you just ser- ser- search for the Delano Monoms, and that's D-E-L-A-N-O-M-A-N-O-N-G-S, Monoms. And um, that that we have for on Vimeo for, for money.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Entertainment a- It can't be free. It costs money to make it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sure does. Uh, and then the Philippine American War—we're fundraising right now, and so we have a campaign on Facebook. So if you look for my name, Marisa Arroy, you'll see my fundraising campaign for the Philippine American War.
0: Okay, and so are you? So you're still in production? Then are you in in post production? Oh no! Or is I it meant- done and you're distributing? Or
1: I wish. Oh man, it'd be so nice to just like fast forward and be done <laughs> and it's just like, it's, it's amazing people. <laughs> no, we're at the very beginning. We're at research okay. and development. So, okay. so I'm still doing, um, archival research and, and raising funds.
0: Great. Well, good luck. It's been wonderful having you on here. I learned a lot. This felt like just
1: one of those
0: lectures that you go to where you're like, wow, man, I learned everything. (laughs) I wrote it all down. (laughs)
1: Did Did you you guys know
0: that the Filipino American War was actually the first imperialist? (laughs) Thanks so much for making the time to be here. Thank you for having me of course it's a pleasure come back anytime uh thanks to all of our listeners and uh we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in until then quest on everybody
1: this episode of quest on media's margin call was produced in richmond california